Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 through 44, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming... He would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When have you waited for something? like an acceptance letter to college or university, or for a loved one to return home from a faraway place. How about the results for a medical test or for a new called pastor? What was it like? Did time slow down? Did your senses strain like when you're trying to see in the dark? There are places I can name in my life where time seems to eke by slowly as I anticipate something, known or otherwise. COVID was a time like this, of waiting, pausing, looking for the next bit of information. Right now, I think the church in general is in a moment of waiting and watching for what God is up to. My day job is a pharmacy technician, and recently I've been living in a moment of waiting. You see, flu season is the busiest time in retail pharmacy, and this year had an extra challenge. Both my pharmacy manager and my other regular pharmacist were on paternity leave at the same time, which is great. They both had babies. However, It left me with a lot of fill-in pharmacists and different people coming in and out, and some of them new, and of course closing the store altogether some days unexpectedly. This go-with-the-flow moment in our history has definitely been challenging, I think, for all of us. And my experience has been lots of decision-making and pressure and busyness Walking out without giving notice had never been so tempting. I was living in a period of longing, leaning in with eagerness for change and anticipation of goodness. This is like the posture of watching inside the paradox of the Christian life. We live in a time when Jesus has already come and yet we wait 
every day for Jesus to come again, both in small daily ways and at the fullness of time. We know he is coming, and yet we do not know when. Not even the angels know. Not even the Son himself knows. Only God knows. But what does this mean for the way we live our lives? Jesus tells us that the way to live in this already and not yet paradox of our faith is with a posture of readiness. He tells his disciples to keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. And he says, you must be ready. Jesus tells us to be vigilant like the homeowner who was prepared for the thief in the night. In this scripture, Jesus is talking to his disciples right as they are about to enter a period of waiting and of watching. You see, Jesus is about to be betrayed and crucified. The part of the story that included Jesus on earth physically with them was about to be finished. He had been telling them how the temple would fall and the current age would end. Everything they knew would change. Naturally, they wanted to know when and what would happen next. But Jesus says even he does not know when. In fact, the when is not the point. The posture Jesus is inviting his disciples into is. We can totally miss this point if fear is our response to Jesus' foreboding words. Some interpretations of this verse over the years don't help. Jesus' reference to the flood of Noah and the sudden abduction of the people amid their daily work points to his main directive, which is to be ready. It is not obvious what makes those that are taken and those that are left different. They seem to be doing the same work. The difference is their posture, their posture of ready, of watchful, wakeful vigilance. The thought that we do not and will not know when is uncomfortable. Most of us are need-to-have-a-plan kind of people, yet we know enough to stay vigilant. We are not to be preoccupied with counting timelines that aim to predict the future. We must not become so absorbed in our daily lives that we stop paying attention. Jesus is calling us to watch and to respond when the time does come. Like Noah, who stayed vigilant as he heard the word of God, as he built the ark and waited for the flood and waited in the flood and waited after the flood, Noah was ready. Our planning, being absorbed in our work, continuing to live out our lives oblivious to the larger reality of God, is to totally miss Jesus' invitation to a posture of ready. On the other hand, we may miss Jesus' invitation by being careless, checking out or burying our heads in the sand. 
Being ready is to take the steady preparation. It is to attend to those moments when God breaks into our lives. To be vigilant in the daily in and out. Noah did not build that ark overnight, after all, but worked steadily on it, believing in the unseen, trusting in the word of God. We know we don't want to be like those folks who were swept away by the flood, not knowing what hit them. But how can we be ready like Noah? In the worship service that I attended last Sunday, the pastor spoke about how we are all formed into people, partly by the calendar that we follow, the patterns of our days. The calendar that makes up the Christian lens through which we order our days is fascinating to me. Maybe it's because I grew up paying little attention to this alternative way of ordering time. New Year's, Valentine's Day, Easter, summer, back to school, Halloween, Christmas, this is the calendar of retail. But there is another way that we can order our lives. In the Christian calendar, or the liturgical year, today is the first day of the year. It is the season, the season that the light and the darkness grow stronger as our physical days grow shorter. In this season, we especially remember that Christ is the light who has come, is, and will come again. Even into the darkest parts of our world and our lives. It's somewhat counterintuitive that we should start the year pointing to the end of time, orienting the whole of our year and, in fact, our lives around the return of the Son of Man. Why not start with some uplifting songs and a cozy newborn? But this beginning that points to the end is how, we po- is how our posture is pressed into one of watchful hope for God. There is no other place to begin than to remember this eschatological hope, that God will make all things new. We are to keep watch for the very same thing that Jesus is telling his first disciples to keep watch for. There are short periods of waiting, like when we know the weekend will come, or I know my boss's leave will end. But there are also times of waiting that have no definite when or how. Those times of waiting take more from us and sometimes lead us to another way we may miss this posture of hope. That is to give up on waiting, on hoping. When things are obviously not working out, giving up seems like the only option, especially after much time has passed. After so much time had passed, the early Christians must have had difficulty with hoping for this eschatological promise the promise that Jesus would return and every wrong would be made right, every tear dried, and every evil overcome. Now, so much time has passed that hopelessness, or worse, lack of care altogether, may creep in. The popular phrase right now, quiet quitting, comes to mind. 
Quiet quitting is the act of continuing to stay with a job while being emotionally or mentally checked out. It happens when our belief that our work matters is drained. But does our hope matter? Anglican priest and author and theologian Tish Harrison Warren, in her book Prayer in the Night, has said this. To watch is to wait, but to watch implies more than just waiting. It is not the bored malaise of standing in line at the DMV. It implies attention, yearning, and hope. She goes on to say that this watchful waiting is the posture of Jesus' disciples, then and now. The believer's constant posture, she says, is to lean slightly forward in anticipation. We wait for God to act, to set things right, to show up and work. When we wake up to alertness, we take a posture of living that leaves room for answering yes to Jesus' invitation to life in every small and large way, trusting that in saying yes, we are being made into people who are ready, who are keeping awake to the truth that things which are not right will be made so. This is why we start by pointing forward with the end of time as the model for the way we live our days. The time of the second coming, of the culmination of what has already started, cannot be known. But this is precisely why we must, be, we must live, work, and seek after being formed into people who have a posture of hope. But this is no easy task. It takes vigilance. It takes consistent practice. It takes letting ourselves be affected by the difficult realities of our world. So it's super hard for me to talk about or think about waking up or keeping awake without thinking of the 90s sci-fi film called The Matrix. The protagonist in this film, named Neo, is a normal suit who works in a cubicle in a giant office building. But in his nightlife, he seeks after the truth. We find out that that office building, and actually his whole life, is a part of a computer simulation designed to keep humanity asleep and therefore enslaved by the antagonist, the machines. But when Neo wakes up from the software, it is the beginning of the end for the machines, yes, but Neo is not escaping. In fact, when he wakes up to the real world, there is work to do. Turns out awakened life is actually more difficult. The Christian posture of hope is not about escaping from, but about waking up to what already is. A posture of hope in the world is inside the paradox of faith, because it asks us to hope for what is not yet. Standing guard on the lookout for what God is up to, for the breaking in of the kingdom here and now and in the time to come. Being ready means practicing a posture of hope, 
Waking up not from, but into what is most real. Being ready means practicing this posture. We have a God who is faithful, who follows through on God's promises. We can afford to live with this posture of hope, even when it's easier to live making plans, being absorbed in daily life, or giving up altogether. We can watch with expectancy because we know that God broke into human history. God came all the way down, a cozy newborn baby, the light in the darkness, the one who is our light, beckoning us out of the darkness and making us into people who are ready, ready to receive the life Jesus Christ opens up to us, ready to orient our whole year and indeed our whole lives to the hope beyond obsessing over, beyond hiding from or giving up on, Our liturgical calendar helps us live proclaiming that hope, that there is more than what can be seen or known with certainty. Taking on a posture of hope takes practice. Living into the liturgical year is one way that we practice. Other ways include reading scripture, meditation, devotions, pilgrimage, prayer, worship, living in community. These practices help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, watching and waiting for when he shows up. Where do you see the light of the world as we wait in this Advent season together? Amen.